It was the year 934 of the Hijra, the 30th year of my life, the fifth year of my bondage, and I was at the edge of the known world. I was marching behind Senor Dorantes in a lush territory he and Castilians like him called La Florida. I cannot be certain what my people call it. When I left Azmur, News of this land did not often attract the notice of our town criers. They spoke instead of the famine, the recent earthquake, or the rebellions in the south of Barbary. But I imagined that, in keeping with our naming conventions, my people would simply call it the Land of the Indians. The Indians, too, must have had a name for it, although neither Senor Dorantes nor anyone in the expedition knew what it was. Senor Dorantes had told me that La Florida was a large island, larger than the Castilla itself, and that it ran from the shore on which we had landed all the way to the peaceful sea. From one ocean to the other was how he described it. All this land, he said, would now be governed by Panfilo de Narvaez, the commander of the Armada. I thought it unlikely, or at least peculiar, that the Spanish king would allow one of his subjects to rule a territory larger than his own, but of course I kept my opinion to myself. We were marching northward to the kingdom of Apalache. Senor Narvaez had found out about it from some Indians he had captured after the Armada arrived on the shore of La Florida. Even though I had not wanted to come here, I was relieved when the moment came to disembark— because the journey across the ocean of fog and darkness had been marred by all the difficulties to be expected of such a passage. The hardtack was stale, the water murky, the latrines filthy. Narrow quarters made the passengers and crew especially irritable, and almost every day a quarrel erupted. But the worst of it was the smell, the indelible scent of unwashed men, combined with the smoke from the braziers and the whiff of horse dung and chicken droppings that clung to the animal stalls in spite of daily cleanings, a pestilential mix that assaulted you the moment you stepped onto the lower deck. I was also curious about this land because I had heard, or overheard, from my master and his friends, so many stories about the Indians. The Indians, they said, had red skin and no eyelids. They were heathens who made human sacrifices and worshipped evil-looking gods. They drank mysterious concoctions that gave them visions. They walked about in their natural state, even the women, a claim I had found so hard to believe that I had dismissed it out of hand. Yet I had been captivated. This land had become for me not just a destination, but a place of complete fantasy a place that could have existed only in the imagination of itinerant storytellers in the souks of Barbary. This was how the journey across the ocean of fog and darkness worked on you, even if you had never wanted to undertake it. The ambition of the others tainted you, slowly and irrevocably. The landing itself was restricted to a small group of officers and soldiers from each ship. As captain of the Gracia de Dios, Senor Dorantes had chosen twenty men, 
among whom this servant of God, Mustafa ibn Muhammad, to be taken on one of the rowboats to the beach. My master stood at the fore of the vessel, one hand on his hip, the other resting on the pummel of his sword. The posture seemed to me so perfect an expression of his eagerness to claim the treasures of the new world that he might have been posing for an unseen sculptor.